Good afternoon. How's everybody doing? I am so excited that everybody's here. A little surprise. We have such a huge crowd this morning. It's awesome, though. Uh, be in expectation. God is going to do good stuff while we're here. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. I'm excited for everybody who's watching online. Thank you for joining us. Lord, I just thank you right now that you would be with us. I thank you that it would be your words that are spoken this morning. Lord, we just come hungry for you. I thank you that we are going to be more spiritually minded than we are physically minded. I thank you that you created us to be spiritual beings and that we are going to hunger and thirst after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we are going to... We're talking about hunger. Pastor Brian's been talking a lot about hunger, a lot. And I want to continue with an example in the book of Ruth. So we're going to start in Ruth chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5 in NLT. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. So here we have the story of Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Kilian. They were living in the Promised Land, and a severe famine happened. So what did Elimelech decide to do? He decides to listen to his physical mind. My, my family needs food, so we're going to move to Moab. They have, they have better crops. We don't have good crops right now. So he's listening to that physical mind. So the ironic part is they move from Bethlehem of Judah. Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house of bread, and Judah means praise. So they left the house of bread in the place of praise to move into Moab. That's, that's huge. Bethlehem meant house of bread. This was the promised land. This is the land that God promised to give them. And they're leaving it because of their physical mind and fear to go into Moab. So Moab... The people of God did not live there. They were foreigners. They didn't worship the one true living God. And this is where, this is where they're going. How do you think their spiritual condition is going to do moving into a place like this? Is it going to do great? Might it be a little more difficult, a little testing? It's going to be. They, they left their place of provision. So we should be seeing red flags, right? Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? These are the chosen people of God choosing to walk by sight and not by faith. So uh, it tells us they left because of a severe famine. This is going to be important later on. They left the house of bread in the place of praise. Right? They left it to move to Moab. So I want to talk a little bit about the Moabites and the Ammonites. Just a little bit of background history. So... The Moabites and the Ammonites came from, does anybody know? They came from an incestuous relationship with Lot and his two daughters. Lot is Abraham's nephew. This is the Moabite people. So these are the people that they chose, Elimelech and Naomi, taking their sons, or choosing to move to be with, 
are these people, the descendants from Lot and his two daughters. Hmm. So, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 through 6 in the New Living Translation. We're going to read just a little bit more about the Moabite people. Verse 3 says, No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. That speaks loud, does it not? These nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. Instead, they hired Balaam. They hired the man, Balaam, to curse them. This is the Moabites. This is who they're choosing. They're choosing to go live among these people. Verse 5, But the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. He turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. As long as you live, you must never promote the welfare and prosperity of the Ammonites or the Moabites. This is, this is what God told his, his kids about the Moabite people. It would, take, it would take a lot to get me to leave my place of spiritual blessing and my place of provision. That, that's a big fear, right? To get you to move out of the will of God. So Moab's not a blessed land. The Israelites were told not to promote their prosperity, not to promote, um, not to be a, a part of them being blessed, right? They weren't to be a part or to allow any of their descendants for ten generations to come into the assembly of the Lord. Yet, Elimelech decides to move his family among them. Let's go back to Ruth chapter 1, verse 3. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. First, Naomi's husband dies, and now she's in this foreign land as a widow with two children. In verse 4, what do the two sons do? The two sons married Moabite women. They knew the word of God, what God said about the Moabite people. They knew this, but her two sons, dad's not around anymore. Dad's already died. They choose to marry Moabite women. So uh, one married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. Uh, Judges, let's look at Judges chapter 21, verse 25. This explains a little bit of why I think Malon and Kilion, the two sons, made this decision. It says, in those days, because this was the time of judges, judges, there was no king. Israel had no king. What did the people do when there was no king? Whatever seemed right. Whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Another version said, they did as they seemed fit. So Elimelech moves from the promised land. He ends up dying. His two sons decide to marry Moabite women. They're doing as they see fit. Can you see that? They're doing as they think what seems right in their eyes. They're not trusting God. They're not listening to him. They're not abiding by what his word says. They're doing what they think seems right. That gets us in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. So um, it's not going well for Naomi, is it? She's not in her homeland anymore. She's not with her people. She's not in the land, the promised land, the land of provision and blessing that God gave them. Her husband has died. Now her two sons have married Moabite women. That's quite a position to be in. So the end of verse 4, back in Ruth chapter 1, continuing into verse 5, says, The two sons married Moabite women. 
Uh, one married Orpah, the other woman named uh, married Ruth. But about 10 years later, looks what hap look what happens. Both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without a husband and without children. So both of her sons have died. Now she has two foreign daughters and daughter-in-laws with her. They've lived with her for a while, right? Because it said 10 years. They know each other. They have relationship. Um, do you think that somebody could live in a house where a family served the Lord and not pick up on their ways and their customs and their beliefs? I don't think so. You'd have to be pretty hard-hearted and stubborn to, to not at least pick up on it. So Naomi still has this relationship with, these are still her daughters-in-law. Um, but let's see what happens next. In verse 6, it says, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. This is great news. There's crops, there's, there's food in the homeland again. She wants to return back home. Uh, it says that they all, got, they all got ready. They were all planning to return, all of them. But then in verse 7, we're going to go through 14. It says, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. That shows the relationship right there. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you and to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth, whose name means friend, clung tightly to Naomi. So there's a few things at this point. So Elimelech, the husband, he moved because of a lack of food, right? He left for the lack of food. Now Naomi's returning because of an abundance of food. But what has changed inside of Naomi? Something's changed inside of her. Because if you notice, during those 10 years, she had built relationship with her daughters-in-law. They wanted to come with her. She spoke kindness and blessing upon them. She didn't want them to have to come and be widows like her because being a widow back in that time wasn't a good thing. Most widows in that, that time and place would be beggars. And she didn't want that for, for these, these girls. They were still young. But in verse 13, it says, this is, this is the change that starts to happen in Naomi. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has raised his fist against me. Do you think the Lord raised his fist against Naomi? No. no. Does God cause bad things to happen to us? No. He doesn't. He blesses us. What do you think? Why was Naomi in this place? She got out of line. She got out of line? Yeah. 
They left the place of provision. They left the house of bread and the place of praise. They looked in their own physical eyes with their physical eyesight and look at where it landed her and look how it's affected her spiritual condition. It affected her greatly and it's only going to get worse for a little while. Let's continue with verse 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. When I, wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So Orpah decides she's going back to her people. She's going back to her gods. She's going back to her old way of life, but not, not Ruth. Ruth, whose name means friend, she had something else in mind. She had seen Naomi when she first got to that land. She, I believe she saw not Naomi in her, her spiritual good condition. And she wasn't going to let go of the God that she saw that Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Kilion served. That was the God that it hadn't, at first I believe it was Naomi's God to her, but it had at this point become her God. Naomi's God became Ruth's God. So Ruth decides she's now going to give up her homeland. She's going to give up her people. She's going to give up her customs, all of it, to follow after Naomi, to go back to Bethlehem of Judah. Um, let's continue, verse 19. So the two of them continued their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, the women asked? Verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. 21. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Do you notice anything here about Naomi's friends? They're excited. They're like, Naomi's back. She's finally back. Can you imagine if we had somebody in, let's say that boomerang had been around for 20 years and somebody had been a part of, the, part of us for most of that whole time and then they left for a while, but they finally came back. We'd be excited to see them again, right? We would be praising God to have our brothers and sisters back in, in our group, back in our body of believers. But what is Naomi's response? She should have been overjoyed to be back with her people. But look at her spiritual condition. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me, call me what? Bitter. 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 Mara, call me bitter. Mm. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Does the Almighty make life bitter? 
No, he doesn't make our life bitter at all. He brings joy. He brings strength. He brings peace. Naomi's not listening to the right stuff. She's allowed a confusion to come to her understanding of God. She claims that the Almighty has made her life bitter to the point of changing her identity. Uh, Naomi means pleasant, joyful, blissful, blissful. That's quite a word, right? That's happy to the 10th extent. That's what Naomi meant. That's the Naomi when she left. Joyful, happy, pleasant. Now she's changed her identity and says, don't call me happy. I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. Call me bitter. That's a drastic change, a change that I think even affected her countenance. Because if you look, it is in verse... Da, da, da. Where does it say? It says, can this be Naomi? Can this? This is what the women there exclaimed. Can this be Naomi? I, I think they were shocked to see the difference, the difference in her. There was a big difference in, in Naomi's life before leaving and then when she came back. In verse 21, it says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Naomi makes the statement that when her and her family left Bethlehem for Moab, she went away full. That's what she says. She says by her own mouth and her own understanding, she went away full. Not empty. She went away full. But that when she returned, she then says the Lord brought her back empty. Is that true? She made her own choices. I believe she was full. She knew she was full when she left. But it was not the Lord's doing that she returned empty whatsoever. She was placing all responsibility and all wrongdoing on the Lord and putting all blame on God for the situation that her and her husband put their family in. It was their doing and their choices I don't believe the God of Naomi, when she was pleasant and a joy, would have made these kind of accusations against her God uh, before she had left. I don't believe she ever would have said those things. These accusations are coming from her place of bitterness. They're coming from her place of pain, her place of hurt, her place of confusion. She's, she's lost her foundation. She's losing her way. She's lost her identity. She, she needs to understand, and we should be able to relate to it, that when bad things happen, we don't ever, ever attack and accuse our God. We look to him for the answer, for the solution. We look to us for what did I do wrong? What was my part? What do I need to repent for? But we don't look to the Almighty and say, Lord, how did you bring this upon me? It, that will never be the truth. God, God brings blessing to his kids. But because of how Naomi chose to face the storms of her life and her circumstances, the effects of her and her husband's decisions, she not only lost her identity, going from a woman of joy to a woman of bitterness, but she also dropped her faith and her connection in God. Her attitude reminds me of Job's wife. It's really similar. When Job's wife told Job, curse God and die, this is all horrible. Just curse him and die and be done with it. That's what her attitude reminds me of. It's very ironic and it's very sad that she said she went away full, but she came back empty. 
She went away full because when there was a severe famine in the land. Do you see the irony? There was a severe famine in the land that they saw with their physical eyes, but she knew they were spiritually full. She knew it. So we know that Naomi understands what true fullness is. She realizes that she was full when she left. She had her God. She had her husband. She had her sons. She lived in the promised land. She was in a place of spiritual blessing. She had everything she had need of. But due to a physical famine in the land, she chose her and her husband to leave it all behind. That was their choice. We must not do as we see fit. We must not. We must not do what our physical eyes tell us. Oh, this is the way we need to go. You don't have provision here. That's a lie. If you are in the will of God, you will have provision for everything you have need of. And we need to make our decisions not based on our physical sight, but on our spiritual sight. Uh, this story really reminded me a lot of when we moved to Albemarle. We didn't have a reason for coming to Albemarle other than feeling that the Holy Spirit was leading us. We could have moved anywhere in North Carolina, any city whatsoever. Do you think that we just decided, hmm, I want to be at the beach. I'm going to go live in, what's a beach city? I don't even know. Outer Banks. Outer Banks is beautiful. I'm going to go, I'm, let's go to the Outer Banks because I love the beach. Mm-mm. Actually, we love the mountains. David, I want to move to Asheville because it's really close to those smoky mountains. Can we, we didn't do that. We didn't, we didn't make our determination based on our eyesight. We made our determination based on what, how the Holy Spirit led. The word says that the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God led us to Albemarle. And we didn't know why. Nobody understood why we were leaving. Why are you leaving Louisiana? It's where we lived for years. Almost our entire married life was lived in Louisiana. That's where all of our ministry connections were. That's where we could have pastored. We had open, open doors to have churches. Like It wasn't how the Holy Spirit led us. That's what's important. The Holy Spirit said Albemarle. And we ended up here at Boomerang. This is where God wanted us connected. This is where God wanted us to plant and put roots down deep. This is where he wanted to lead us. But if we wanted the spiritual blessing of being here, what did we have to do? We had to listen to the Holy Spirit when it didn't make sense. The Holy Spirit, a lot of times, will not make logical sense. It will be like, why are you going to do that? What? You're going to give all of your money away? Are you sure that's right? What if next week your tire goes flat? It's decisions like that. What? You're going to homeschool your kids? I didn't want to homeschool my kids. The Lord led us to homeschool our kids. I wanted to work. It wasn't my will. My will isn't what matters. What matters is doing the will of God. When we do the will of God and we submit our flesh and we carry our cross, God can do amazing things in us and he can get us to the places where his spiritual blessing and his provision will be in abundance in our lives. And this is what Naomi was experiencing, was that she had that. 
And she willingly gave it up. Willingly. It is better to trust the Holy Spirit. We are spirit beings and we need to trust the Holy Spirit with decisions. They affect us in so many ways. Naomi was spiritually full when they left, but she was spiritually empty when they returned. Let's read verse 21 uh, one more time. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Lord didn't cause her to suffer. The Lord did not cause tragedy upon her. Suffering and tragedy came from where? Decisions from leaving the house of bread and the place of praise and moving to the place of Moab. The decision for them to leave Bethlehem was born out of fear, fear of not having physical food. Leaving showed their lack of trust in God. When we trust in God and we stay in his will, we have everything, everything we have need of. The Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, his leading, that, that's our guide. That's what we make decisions based on. Not on what the world says is right. Not on what your mama tells you to do. Not, not on any of that. Not on our logic. Not on what seems best. Not on how we're going to make the most money. Our guide and our decisions need to be based on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Right now, while we're fasting, we might not feel very physically well-fed, right? I don't feel physically well-fed right now. But my spirit feels incredibly well-fed. Are you having that same experience? Right? So it is better to be spiritually well-fed than it is to be physically well-fed. It will always be better to be spiritually well-fed than to be physically well-fed. So what, what hunger are we going to listen to? Which one? Spiritual. I'm not going to listen to that physical hunger that tells me, I need food right now. Oh, you're missing that movie that just came out. There's this great TV series you got to see. No, I'm not going to listen to that physical hunger. Those are all physical hungers. I'm going to listen. I am going to take the point in the directive to listen to that spiritual hunger inside of me that just grows when we're praying and fasting. It increases where I wake up and I'm like, wow, I need more of you today. I thought I had you amazingly yesterday, but I need you even more. I need you more, Jesus. And he's going to come in like a flood and he's going to fill those spiritual needs because of having what? The spiritual hunger. That spiritual hunger is so important. Pastor Brian talked about hunger and thirst last week incredibly. He said to hunger was to crave. Are we craving the things of God? To thirst, to seek greedily after them. This is an area we're allowed to be greedy. Lord, I'm greedy for you. Let's be greedy for God. And then the other illustration was to be like a predator going after a prey. You know, we've seen predators up close, like lion right here, <laughs> walking right by the car, and it was an open vehicle. I can understand not ever wanting to get between that lion and his food. No way. That's how, that's how we're to be with God, seeking and hungering and thirsting after him like a, a starving lion goes after his next meal. 
That's how God's called us to be. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes us holy is because of him in us. But if we don't allow him to come in, then what? Are we any different than the world? If he's not really in us, if he's not alive and new with that new daily bread every day, no, then we're just going to blend in with everybody else. But we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to set ourselves apart. We need to be holy. We need to be different. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 in the NLT. But you are a chosen race. Say, I am a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's us. That is what we're called to be. A holy people, a chosen nation, holy, set apart, consecrated for the things of God, pulled out of darkness. There's no darkness in you. There's no darkness in me. We've been pulled out of that darkness and into the light. We have the living God on the inside of us, and we are called to live holy. Why are we called to live holy? Because God is holy. And that is what he has called us to. Amen? Lord, I just thank you right now. Lord, we just seek you right now. Jesus, we seek you and your will in this place today. Let your name be glorified, Jesus. Lord, you are a holy God. You are a holy God. Just pray with me. This isn't, this isn't a one-person prayer. This is a time for all of us to, to engage. This is a time to seek after him. Lord, we come with expectation. Lord, we come to praise your name. We enter your gates with thanksgiving, Jesus. Lord, we are so thankful for everything that you have done in this place. We are thankful for all of the amazing things that you are going to do. Lord, we come with praise. We praise your holy name. We thank you that you are mighty. We thank you that you you are our redeemer, that you are our healer, you are our provision. Lord, we seek after your face. Lord, there is nothing, nothing that compares to you. Jesus, give us spiritual eyesight. Give us spiritual eyesight to see into the things of the Spirit, things that we may not ever have recognized before. Help us to start recognizing where you lead, where you move, who we need to talk to, even little decisions, thing that, things that we may not think are important. Help us, Lord. Help us to see that we are spiritual beings and we need to be spiritually minded, Lord. Help us to put down that physical hunger. Today, we choose that we are going to listen. We are going to listen to you, Jesus. We are going to crave pure spiritual food we are going to crave time in your presence lord we praise you and we worship you jesus thank you jesus
Can can we all stand up? That be all right. We'll get up out of our uh, our um, uh, stuff. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are here right now. Lord Jesus, you're not far off, Lord. The enemy sometimes makes us think that we are far off, but you're not, Father God. You are right here. So, Lord, we receive you today as the righteousness right now, our righteousness, Lord, that you paid the price on the cross for us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in your people. Lord Jesus, we are in anticipation of what you're going to do, Father God. Lord, any bondages, Lord, that have been, Lord, that, that we don't even know about, Father. Lord, even things that have happened from childhood, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would break them. Lord, break them by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would just take that stuff away, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your um, beautiful uh, place, Lord, that you, you sit in heaven. Lord, you sit in heaven in the right hand of God, a place of complete power. Lord, is there anything too hard for you? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord would say, if, is there anything too hard for me? No, there's nothing too hard for God because Jesus is at the right hand of God. And the Bible says that we, God will give us anything that we ask, anything, anything, just so it can bring glory to the Father. So, Lord, we ask you for more of your presence, more of your spirit. Lord, that your, your presence would be made manifested today. Lord Jesus, for, we pray for needs right now, Lord, financial needs that are in the body right now in Jesus' name. Provision be in the name of Jesus. Lord, there are bills that need to be paid, and we thank you, Father God, that you already have them paid, Father God. We thank you. We call money forth. Any, any monies that, that, that people need right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, that you have provided. You are the God of our provision. You are the God of plenty. You're not the God of almost enough. You're the God of plenty. 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 You have plenty. You're not hurting for anything, Lord. So we just thank you, Lord, that we draw on that account, Lord, that account that you paid on Calvary, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you. Rebosha, taravasatara, nesto taravasatara. You know, our, our flesh doesn't like uh, prayer too much, but our spirit does. So when we sacrifice, it's a sacrifice to come and pray. It's a sacrifice to, 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 to bring our body. The Bible says, bring yourselves as a living sacrifice. So begin to pray even more so, even more so. Father God, the Lord's a gentleman. He won't force us to pray. He won't force us to, to do anything. So, Lord, we thank you, Father God, that your presence would touch us today. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, that you are here. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we receive the provision. Provision in the name of Jesus. We receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If that's you and you need provision today, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. Father God, we thank you for the provision that you have. 
Lord, we thank you, Father God, for checks in the mail. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for the things that the world says uh, uh, is impossible. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that with you it's highly probable. Lord, it's most likely. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it's already done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that he or she who waits on the Lord will, will be renewed. Will be renewed. Sometimes quiet time's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We can listen. Let's take a second. Let's just listen. Lord, speak to us today. Lord, just speak to us today. Lord, speak your tender whisper. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. One whisper from you, Lord, and it'll change our destiny. Lord, one little rhema word, one little... Man, I can feel the Holy Ghost even right now. Holy Spirit, just whisper. Whisper your voice. Lord Jesus, when Elijah was in the cliff, he said, I went there and there was a, a, an earthquake and you weren't in it. There was a fire, you weren't in it. But then a still, small voice... Lord, remind us of what that still, small voice sounds like. Father God, if some of us have never heard that still, small voice, let today be the first day. Lord Jesus, if it's been a while, Lord, let today be a new day. Lord, in hearing the voice of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your tender presence. We thank you for your tender spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're here today. Lord, right now you're here. Mm. Wow. Jesus. Minister to us today. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hmm. He's so good. He's so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I really feel like there is either people in this room or maybe even on live stream, somebody's watching right now. And that story about Naomi changing her identity to Mara, to bitter, that you related with that, that you related to that feeling of knowing that you've been full before, but you've allowed bitterness to come in. So right now, I just thank you, Lord, I thank you for every person here today, and I thank you for every person watching online. I just thank you right now that they would just repent of any wrong thinking, of any bitterness that has come in, that they've allowed in, that they didn't even notice was sneaking its way into their life. Lord, we repent for bitterness. We repent. We are sorry, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you restore us. I thank you that you would restore the joy of our salvation. I thank you that you would be, bring restoration, Lord, so that each and every person would walk out your fullness of your joy, your fullness of being a child of God. I thank you that each and every person would know not only who you are, 
but who they are to you, that they are loved and they are chosen, that you died specifically for them. Let your love be, be made known today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing in this place. We trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If that's you and you're here this afternoon and you want prayer, you are welcome to come forward and we would be happy to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are our joy. You are our hope and you are our salvation. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to take a moment and give opportunity. The Lord has instructed this church and us to, every time we meet, to make available the opportunity to give. So if you would like to give today, there's a basket on the altar. We would, you are welcome to give. If you are online, there is a giving link. You are welcome to click. Lord, I just bless anyone and everyone who chooses to, to pour into your kingdom and into what you are doing in this place. I thank you for complete blessing and provision in their lives. I thank you that you give seed to the sower in the name of Jesus. Bless it and multiply it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. It, it was awesome to have you here. Amen. Did a good job. Amen. Thank you.